Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Startup Sales. Today, we've got a really great guest, Sean Sykes. He's the founder of Peak Sales Recruiting. And we're going to talk a lot about the the hiring process of salespeople. Uh, you know, he comes from, uh, he was an individual contributor himself and went up to management and then started to build this company uh, for hiring and building sales teams for other companies. So he really has a lot of experience. We're going to talk about what to look for on a CV. You know, so many times uh, you get all these CVs and you don't know what's good, what's bad. So we're going to talk about some tips on how to decipher that. We're going to talk about culture fit and how important that is and how to decide uh, if they have it or not. We're going to discuss interview tips and everything in between for the hiring. So really good episode. Uh, really looking forward to having you guys learn a lot from this one. And if you are an early stage company yourself, then feel free to go to startupsales.io and reach out to us. We help uh, a lot of early stage companies with building their sales process, defining their ICP, their pain points, and even down to what kind of emails and, and phone content to, to push out once people sign up for your product. So we could help you with that. So if you're interested in that, go to startupsales.io. Anyways, let's get it to today's episode with Sean. I know you'll enjoy it. Startup Sales is a podcast about what it's really like to get a business off the ground. We talk with founders, CEOs, and sales VPs from the high-tech market. You'll learn how to build and scale a sales team. You'll also hear about the growth challenges and tough decisions from others who have had both successes and failures. And now, your host of the Startup Sales Podcast, Adam Springer. Hey, everybody. Before we get started in this episode, I know that you're eager to get going, but I wanted to ask for your help. We want to get the word out there more that uh, this podcast exists. So if you're finding value in this and you really are enjoying this, would you mind please sharing this with your colleagues or putting it on social media as much as you can so that we get the word out there and we could continue to deliver more and more content like this? Really appreciate your help and uh, thank you very much. All right, Sean, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Adam, thanks for having me. So can you tell a little bit about who you are and what your background is? Sure. Um, my name is Sean Sykes. I'm the CEO at Peak Sales Recruiting. And like uh, many of your listeners today, uh, I'm a, a former salesperson, an individual contributor, and a, a sales leader at a couple of publicly traded companies. And uh, the one thing that uh, would uh, many listeners wouldn't know about me that makes me kind of a, an interesting, or maybe a, maybe it's maybe it's kind of funny. I'm the one Canadian that your listeners will hear that uh, actually doesn't know how to skate or play hockey. <laughs> do you do you watch hockey though? I, lo- I love hockey. I watch hockey. <laughs> I used to live in, in Pittsburgh, a couple doors down from some of the Penguins, and uh, I think everybody in town thought it was pretty funny. A Canadian that couldn't skate. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, it's never too late to learn. All right. And so what is your company doing now? What are you focusing on? We're peak sales recruiting. So we help organizations build out high performing sales teams. We focus exclusively on sales professionals. So we don't look at helping organizations recruit for uh, finance, operations, marketing, development. It really is this unique focus on everything from a BDR, SDR, right up to a chief revenue officer. Okay. Great. So I have a couple questions because I'm always getting bombarded with CVs. Yeah. And I have my own tricks to look through them, but it, it's your eyes start to glaze over. 
What what am I supposed to be looking for on a CV? Oh, there's you know there's there's so many things that are important, and and a CV only tells part of the picture. So I I would suggest to you that it's it's your first filter or your first screen. But when we start thinking about looking at at CVs, one of the the methodologies or frameworks that we really aspire to here, it's all about performance based recruiting. And in my experience in the past, winners always win. And people that have had success, their resume looks very different from someone else who hasn't. So one of the things that I would look for, Adam, in addition to some of the the skills or some of the activities that you would require someone to perform within your organization, I want to see past success. And so people that were effective at their previous organizations, the Medal of Honor for them is I made this president's club or I won this award, I was uh, the top 5% club, uh, I exceeded plan, uh, and they will tell you, they'll be able, they'll know the numbers by 108%, 118%. Others that haven't had that success, they're gonna talk about how they set up a program or you know how they initiated some kind of activity. So for me, I look for past performance, uh, I look for them to be referencing awards and percent of plan, and I look for consistency. Not they just did it one year, but did they do it three, four, five years in a row? Wow, that's a that's a really good tip because so many people I, I've seen CVs, they talk about just the company's success, yes. not theirs. That's right. <laughs> and that goes for LinkedIn profiles as well. You'll you'll see individuals talking about their awards, percent of plan, and and those resumes or those LinkedIn profiles look very different from the average person. Yeah. All right. What are some of the other things that you that could be like big red flags on a CV, even if they have the past performance? Uh, well, you know, it, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, again, I, I wouldn't necessarily use the the CV exclusively. For for us, the CV is it's it's an initial screen. Things that we want to see when we start to engage a candidate um, are going to be a couple of different things for us. First it's not just about the job description, it's about the culture fit. And you know, your listeners, these, these organizations that are these small to mid-sized organizations, they're, they're early stage seed right through to series B. Um, many times as organizations start to move from seed to series A and B, they start to think, I need, I need something different. And, and that's where a lot of them make the mistake. And they're, they're finding people that may have had success somewhere, but they're not the right culture fit. So when we start looking at individuals, it's not just the activities or the job functions they've performed in the past, but it's, it's where are they coming from? And from a cultural perspective, who is going to be successful within your environment? And, and so this is something that we start to look at as well. Where have they been before? And, and, and does that transcend to your business? So you hear this all the time, people talking about culture and how important it is. And, you know, for many people that don't know, it's just, yeah, we've got a PlayStation and cereal (laughs) and and happy hour on Thursdays or Fridays. What do you mean by culture fit? Well, culture fit, there's there's a number of of different elements to it. And you know what? PlayStations and cereal, it's it's short term. It's not long term. And so one of the biggest things for us at Peak, uh, we have our core values. Uh, We have several that we live by. And for us, we only hire people that live those same values that are going to to be a fit within our organization. So one of the things that becomes really important for an early stage company is to understand what are your values? What what's important to your future success? What are what are things that your leadership team and your staff hold important? 
And we start thinking, when we start thinking about how do we attract great candidates, there's four Fs for us. The first is fit. And that gets back to this idea of, is there alignment with that individual's core values with your core values? The next is fun. And, and the fun is, am I selling something that I get excited about? And is it doing some sort of social good that for me matters? And, and that kind of relates back to the culture. And then the other components we look at are financial and family. And uh, the financial isn't so much a cultural piece, but the family is. And a lot of the time, uh, what we're looking at here are uh, you know, people that are in some sort of transition. And there are things in their life that are important to them right now that maybe they're not able to get from their current job as it relates to balance that they can get from the other organization. And it, it could be things uh, such as uh, maybe less travel or flexibility to work from home, um, things like that. So culture for us has, has a couple of different meanings. It's uh, really interesting that that's important for you. You know, that uh, last bit, that family, that they're in that transitional stage because a lot of people might get scared from that because, oh, they just start, had kids or, you know, and they need to make this change. Why are you looking for that? It, great question. And I'll tell you the number one reason. It is the tightest job market since 1969, 1970. It's, you know, 30, 40 years. And when we start looking at organizations that are in a seed round or, or a series A going to a B, what gets really interesting, there's a lot of pressure these organizations have because when they get that funding, typically they have to double or triple the size of their sales force within 12 to 18 months. My favorite quote from one of the, uh, the investors we work with is, we're not giving money to, to our portfolio companies to sit on and collect interest. We want to see them accelerate revenue. Yeah. And so that means then they've got to go into this really tight job market to compete for the best salespeople, great salespeople that are going to help them execute against that plan. And if the only thing you're going into market with is compensation, you're going to be in a price war. And if you want to get great salespeople that are already in a similar role, they're making really good money, uh, it's hard to pull them out. It's hard to extract them. And so what we look for, uh, we look for two or three things. And the first is exactly what you and I just talked about. Maybe there's something that they can't get from their current organization, the new organization offers. So for example, I was just talking to a sales leader the other day. There's some health issues going on right now within his family. And uh, he travels over 50% of the time across the country. And this new role was going to allow him to travel about 10% of the time and be home-based. Uh, and, and that for him was actually worth even considering a bit of a pay cut. So finding you know, people that have got some sort of, they're at a certain stage in their life uh, where there's a, there's a value tied with that balance or that flexibility that is more important than the, the revenue, that's one of the ways you can attract top talent out of a current job. If it's just money, a lot of the time it's hard to pull them up because they're already making great money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and it's not always about the money. I was at a company that I was making good money and offers would come and be much higher. But, you know, like it's not just about the money. It's also about the, the environment, the, the people you work with, the flexibility that the company has with you and your time and and your workflow and your team that you built. So it's, uh, I, I completely understand that. I think it's amazing that uh, you've actually brought that up and, and focus on that. Well, I would, I would tell you and, and, and your listeners, this is, if you take anything away from today, how do you attract top talent? There's, there's three things that we look for that are going to make you more competitive, to give you a chance to actually pull these passive candidates out of where they're at. 
the the first uh, money does talk. And if if your organization is trying to pull these people out, typically you're needing to provide a compensation increase of around 20% or greater. And, and typically stock options can be very interesting. The other two opportunities are non-financial, uh, but they are equally and sometimes more powerful. And the first is it's... Um, it's, it's uh, the opportunity for professional growth. A lot of the times we find people that are a team lead and they're looking to become a manager or they're a director looking to become a vice president. And there just isn't an opportunity within their organization because of you know, who their managers are or the structure of the organization. And so for them, they don't see a good opportunity to, to move into these roles in the future that they aspire to. So providing a roadmap or showing them an opportunity for growth within the new company is probably the most effective way of attracting people away from where they are currently. And then the other component, it just gets back to everything you talked about, which is it's, it's culture. It's uh, do I like who I work with? Um, do I feel like I'm coming, coming in every day and I'm, I'm excited, I'm inspired about what I'm selling and what I'm learning? And is there that life-family balance that uh, is, is effective for me? So those are the three things that we look at. And uh, the latter two. Oh, very powerful motivators. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, that that one that uh, you said about setting together a growth pattern and how to grow and take that that team leader into a manager or whatever the growth that may be, uh, the quickest way to lose that person is is to not follow through with that. <laughs> if if after you promise them and hire yeah, them, that's right. Transparency, <laughs> uh, and you know, it's funny you say that because the other day I was at a conference in Chicago and uh, a friend was keynote uh, speaking about sales enablement, and uh, he ran sales enablement for Salesforce and Marketo and PayPal and just great companies. And, and one of the things the big companies do well that I think that the smaller companies can learn from, it's this idea of ramp to revenue. How do we prepare people for success? And so many small companies come to us and they don't know their sales math. And if you're thinking about, hey, I'm ready to build out my sales organization and I'm ready to bring on this next person, you have to understand about four or five things. The first is what is the production we expect in the first 12 months? You would be shocked at how many companies come to us saying, I want to hire a person, and they don't actually have a quota. <laughs> you have to know your, yeah. your average deal size. You have to know your average time to, to sale, so the length of the sales cycle. You have to know the activities that an individual is going to have to perform to create a pipeline. Uh, and you have to understand what your conversion rates are and your time within that sales funnel of moving through different stages of your sales process. If you can identify those five elements to potential new hires, it creates, uh, it creates that alignment that becomes so critical. It, it creates that transparency, and it allows both the candidate and the company to, to really understand and work together to make sure the person is properly ramping, developing, and achieving the level of success that is realistic, that's relevant, that's required. So that's, that's such a huge piece in, in the beginning of uh, the, the engagement here. You have to know your sales math before you start to build your team. I think also you said that it's good to be aligned with the new hire on the sales math, but it's also a good way to to see how serious they are uh, when presenting these numbers, if they're involved in that, if they seem to know what you're talking about, because if they don't know what you're talking about, like uh, MQL to SQL time, like, like if you don't know this stuff, then you're also in the wrong wrong boat. 
It's so true. And, you know, again, whether it's your, your HR, your internal talent team or an external partner like us, sales leadership has to understand those five numbers, those five points of, of interest, because what it does is it creates that alignment for the search to occur. Uh, when we start to think about performance-based recruiting and performance-based requirements versus behavioral interviewing, we need to be able to understand, has a person been able to, to develop the appropriate level of, of pipe to support that kind of quota in the past? Or have they performed the activities? Uh, what are the KPIs and metrics they were measured on previously? It, it really does support the search so that you're finding the, the right person with the right skill sets and past experiences. Absolutely. All right. So let's go back a little bit and say we found the right CV. We're, yeah. we're, we want to in- initiate a call with them. During this call, what do you, I mean, so many companies just sit there and ask, hey, what did you do? Tell me about your resume. I, I've read your resume. I don't want to hear about it again. What, what are some good tips on, on this initial call to, to weed out the good candidates or the bad candidates? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's one of those again for us the the pieces that are really important to to understand. It's all about performance, and again, we want people who can who can quantify their past success. So when we're when we're talking with people, one of the things that we look at is not just you know were you successful for one year because you might have inherited a territory yeah. from someone. We're really interested in understanding over a period of time. Um, have you being able to consistently achieve or exceed plan. And, and we perform sort of some initial conversations to, to identify uh, track record performance. And, and that becomes important to us. And, and when we start talking with people about why they've been successful, you know, many times, you know, just a simple question that we, we like to ask people is, well, why is it that you've been successful? And, and in many occasions, they're going to start talking about two or three things that, that we look for here. Uh, one, what's their ability to uh, strategically plan and, and develop territories with some sort of, you know, future lens? Two, are they people that are high activity individuals? They're highly driven. They have a high degree of, of grit. You know, we like to look for that. So are, are you smart? Are you coachable? And then finally, are you intrinsically motivated? And, uh, you know, again, we'll start to talk with people to understand, you know, what their motivators are and if they can be telling us what's motivated them in the past at their current company or previous companies uh, to be successful. And, you know, we have other elements of our process where we're using psychometric testing to, to help support uh, our understanding of are you smart? Are you driven? And uh, are you are you coachable? And, and this is all on the first phone call, the initial interview. Well, we wouldn't we wouldn't do the, uh, the psychometric <laughs> testing, but on the first phone call, we're we're absolutely going to be uh, just really trying to understand very quickly: uh, Are you someone that has had uh, success in the past consistently for several years in a row? That's the, if you're going to take anything away, <clears throat> I would simply ask yeah. that. I think it's also really important that if the answer is yes. Also ask, uh, the follow-up should be, what was the sales cycle? Because you also want to get people that are similar sales cycle yeah. to yours. Well, I think what we're, we're always interested in understanding are, you know, what are the activities and behaviors that you're performing today in your business? And how are those similar to the activities and behaviors that we require in our business? And, and many times we can find people in um, peripheral verticals that will have success 
to your point, because the activities that they've been performing uh, are, are going to be somewhat similar or the, the skills necessary to be successful are going to transition over to that new role as well. Yeah, absolutely. It, a lot of times it's a little overrated to, oh, we have to have somebody that has the same background in the same industries as, as we do. And it's like, well, no, because if, like you said, the same, same activities, they will relate over to uh, different industries. Yep. Many of our customers, uh, one of the, in fact, there is a, a large multinational brand that we're working with now, and they have uh, a requirement. Their growth is so significant that they don't have the ability to uh, internally uh, fill these new roles. Succession planning doesn't support it. Mm-hmm. And they need to go out into the market. And the issue they run into is the the space they're in is, is somewhat incestuous. You just, you're pulling people from the competitors uh, and doing this uh, sort of recycle every few years. And the idea here is that if they can identify peripheral industries or activities, behaviors, and skill sets that would allow or lend someone to be successful in their business, then they're going to have a competitive advantage uh, because they're going to be able to increase the size of the available talent pool by now going outside of those direct competitors. And, you know, that is something that uh, companies should absolutely be thinking about, should be open to. People that have a different lens can sometimes come in and and, uh, they can see obstacles uh, and and find ways to get around them that the, the current team may not. So our advice to people is embrace people that uh, have these uh, these past experiences that uh, that could transfer into the new vertical. Yeah. All right. These tests that you were talking about, can you explain a little bit about those? Sure. So when we go through the process, you and I have already talked about it a little bit. There's this massive amount of upfront work done to determine what's the job profile, and it gets back to these skills and activities you and I have shared. There's a lot of work done around a cultural fit to make sure that that person is going to to not just be successful short term, but but long term. And then when we go through a process of you know looking at track record of performance, and we've done these behavioral interviews and these performance based interviews, we know that we've got a great person. We've done the work that tells us to a very high degree of certainty that this is a person who is is excellent and will be successful. But I think the thing that small companies struggle with the most is figuring out, you know, who the pretenders are versus the performers. So many salespeople are great at selling themselves and, and you know, talking about why they're competitive or why they're driven or why they're able to influence people. And so we use, um, we use psychometric testing uh, to help support our decision uh, and our analysis of the candidate. And, you know, for me, it, it's kind of like the Ancestry.com. It's the, it's the DNA cotton swab in the mouth. You can't <laughs> change who you are. You are who you are. And, and what these assessments help us to really do is just add another layer to the decision process. And it helps us it helps us determine whether or not some of these invisible character traits exist. You know, are you driven? Are you able to influence others? Do you have a high theoretical? Are you able to consume information quickly and then apply it? Are you someone that needs to be in a structured environment or are you someone that needs structure and systems or are you someone that operates well in a fluid environment like a startup where things are going to be changing frequently? So we like to marry that that final component uh, with the uh, you know the the other pieces of analysis that we've done thus far, and 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 when we get that and we see the profile, and and in the 13 years we've been doing this, we 
we've developed a number of different profiles in these psychometric assessments in, in different roles that tell us this person will be great for channel sales, or this is a great person for a BDR, or this is great for a sales leader. Um, and we marry those up with all the other information to, uh, to make a decision. So you've come up with your own tests that you make. You're not using like a third-party... Uh... We use third-party DISC. It's a great assessment, but we've come up with our own profiles mm. that we look for, the results from these tests that tell us for the different roles, who is going to be most successful. We've, we've got tens of thousands of people. We've got actually over hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, we've got 400 and some odd thousand people in our network that have been assessed. And so we've got uh, really great data sets to support what tell us to be uh, someone that's going to be successful in a particular role. Wow, that's uh, it's really uh, cool information. Uh, that's uh, we could do a whole podcast uh, series just on on that. <laughs> oh, you could. They're they're great. Uh, every every time one of our people takes the assessment, it's funny when your your better half uh, or some family member hears the results. <laughs> it's without fail. That is you to a T. That's you exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's fun. Yeah. All right, so. Now, this is without your help, but some companies uh, make better hiring decisions than others. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies will hire people and then have to fire them or they'll hold on to them in hopes that they'll change. Yeah. <laughs> How can people hire better in addition to like this uh, personality test? Sure. Well, I think that there's, there's a couple of things people can do. And we've already talked about uh, one or two of them. And, and the first is simply this. At the front end, as, as an organization, uh, so I'll use an example of uh, an organization that uh, we were working with recently that did a really good job of this. You have to be thinking about bringing a person or a group of people on holistically. And many times organizations start with uh, either HR or sales, uh, and, and they do it in isolation. Uh, and, and what the companies that do well, uh, what they do is they look at it holistically. And so there is uh, sales, there is an HR uh, stakeholder, and there's typically someone from product and whether that's product management or product marketing management, whoever owns the roadmap of these new services or products that are being rolled out, they're involved as well because it's not just about, hey, we're going to go and we're going to start to hire people and build it. It, it. It's also thinking about, okay, and when they start on day one, where are they going to go? What are they going to do? How are we going to ramp them up on our business? And then what does that look like over the next 12 months? And so my advice to, to companies that are doing it you know, on their own is look at it holistically involve those three groups and, and don't just think about it as a build consideration, but think about it as a ramp to revenue. So you have a plan, not just for hiring them, but for the next 12 months. That's something many people miss. Terrific. The other piece that, uh, again, we would suggest to people is they, they look to, to think about who's going to be successful and, and who's not. Know your sales math and it, it needs to be realistic. We've just done a compensation study. We're releasing it in a week or two. And what we found was that people who had a compensation plan that was misaligned uh, or not achievable were four and a half times more likely to leave. They were dissatisfied and four and a half times more likely to leave than uh, an individual that felt like their comp plan was properly aligned, it was achievable, they were actually four times more likely to stay. And so it gets back to that discussion that you and I had earlier 
know what their first year quote is going to be and have a have a roadmap, you know, be able to articulate when are you going to start building your pipe? When are you going to start getting your first sales? Uh, what your pipe and your revenue expectations will look like after Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Uh, if you do that well, uh, you will retain people. You'll find great people because they'll they'll believe that they have an opportunity to be wildly successful. Um, and more importantly, you'll retain them. Yeah. And I, and I know that a lot of the listeners now are thinking like, well, that's all great once you actually have your sales numbers, but uh, I don't have any sales numbers. I'm too early. And the answer to that is, is you have the sales numbers. You're the founder. You should yep. be selling. If you're that early, you should be selling and you should be tracking all this information. It's a great point. There's always there's always data and uh, it's, it's whether or not you've been uh, keeping it. And if you haven't, go back and get it and take a look at it for sure. You need to be able to talk about it. Absolutely. Right. What's your favorite book uh, that you would recommend people that will help either with the hiring, with the process, with the sales and all of this kind of that we've discussed? Oh, it's a great question. Um, you know, one of my favorite books is, is You're in Charge, Now What? And uh, it's a couple of Harvard professors that uh, uh, they took a look at a number of, uh, of different companies in transition. But it's, it's not exclusively about sales, although there's some great sales uh, components in there. I like a number of different authors. Uh, an author I like quite a bit is uh, Colleen Francis. Uh, she writes a, a number of, of great books about uh, selling uh, truthfully uh, with respect. Uh, John Barrows is another good sales leader who I like to read about. Trish Bertuzzi is also another uh, uh, individual. And there was a book that I, uh, uh, geez, it eludes me right now. It says uh, someone just sent me the email yesterday. It's, it's all about brain-based uh, scientific approaches to selling. Um, I'll have to get it and send it to you later. It <laughs> seems like a really fun read. Yeah, there's a few good ones out there that are kind of focused more on like the the neurological side of, of selling. Yes, absolutely. Cool. What uh, what one piece of advice do you have for all the founders and sales leaders out there that are going to start hi hiring and building the team? Uh, the one piece of advice I would have for them... Um, your, your organization has to have a set of core values. If, if you're going to attract top talent, um, values time and time again, um, I think that compensation tends to be relatively similar um, when you look at uh, you know, business to business within a similar industry. But what's gonna set people apart is a feeling that they can belong to something that they see value in and that they can contribute uh, directly to that value. So you know, understand what makes you unique and, and what your values are, know that. Uh, and then the second piece of information is know your numbers um, because uh, they're gonna, great people will be trying to determine uh, whether they can be successful at your company or not. Absolutely. Sean, I really appreciate you coming with and sharing with us today. How can people reach out to you and uh, if they need help, uh, grab your advice? Well, they can uh, they can email me at uh, ssykes at peaksalesrecruiting.com, S-S-Y-K-E-S at peaksalesrecruiting.com, uh, or they can uh, send information to info at peaksalesrecruiting.com. And uh, we're happy to, to share any information, insights, or trends that we can. And in fact, we are doing a compensation study. Well, it's done and we're releasing it in the next week or two. And we're happy to share that with anyone that uh, would like a copy. All right. Terrific. And uh, you're active on LinkedIn? Absolutely active on LinkedIn. Very active. Okay. So I'll put uh, your LinkedIn note uh, also in the show notes so people could just uh, one-click access to you as well. Fantastic. Fantastic.
Cool, Sean. Thanks very much for coming. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks for listening to Startup Sales with Adam Springer. Subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Contact Adam about speaking engagements or consulting services at adam at startupsales.io. 